0: Welcome to The Healing Space. I am Sensei Raven Akundayo. Right now, we're going to continue our week-long journey of healing through bipolar disorder. Misfits, please believe me when I tell you there is only one Shamika Smalling, and I greatly appreciate her coming forward to share her story. This sister is a force of nature, as you'll be able to see during my interview. I've truly enjoyed how different each guest is from one another. And from their stories, you can see that being bipolar doesn't look the same for everyone. So take a listen to our conversation. As always, I hope that you learn a little something positive from it. And now, let's get healed. So, uh, do you have bipolar 1 or 2 disorder?
1: That's so funny that you frame it that way because in my last conversation today when somebody told me about someone else, that was my question. I was like, listen, there's a difference. Mm-hmm. And I, I- thought about the fact that even with bipolar 2 disorder, which is what I have, yeah. I think about the so-called, like, I must have some stigma around mental illness if I be like, but wait a minute now, bitch, I'm bipolar 2, not bipolar 1, right. you know what I'm yeah. saying? So even with that, it's like, damn, there's so much stigma around shit, like, oh, no, my of reality is okay when really it would be like a little bit fast and a little bit slow.
0: Yeah.
1: You know yeah. what I mean? But yeah, bipolar 2 disorder. Gotcha.
0: Okay, so how long ago were you diagnosed, and how did you come about your diagnoses?
1: Oh wow, um, I was di- the first diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was first diagnosed with just like. Um, Depression, major depressive disorder, which is basically bipolar 2 disorder, but he wasn't right. like, it's called bipolar disorder. You know, they weren't saying that until right. it was really coming out, and then they were like, oh, you be having real manic sessions? So that was in, uh, I was a sophomore in college. 2000, 1990. 1990, 2000, 2000. So it must have been like the end, of, in that winter break of... um sophomore year for so 2000 okay. okay because and you said how it had come about i had been seeing my therapist at college since freshman year so the year before i had been seeing him for about a year mostly for like these quote unquote temper outbursts and things like that oh, i had to cut this person out I, have to cut. I had to right curse them out or beat them up not beat them up was but like you know them things up. would happen <laughs> no but just things would happen sometimes right like- And so, I had been seeing a therapist for what I thought was just anger management issues. And then there was, you know, like a little suicide attempt. And he was like, uh, but it was on campus. So, because of the school that I went to, and also, I think sometimes with bipolar 2 disorder, you can really... Intellectualize things and like outsmart a lot of doctors and nurses. In terms, like, if you know the language, you just kind of know what to say to them. Like, listen, fuck, I'm going home. Like, I'm not having suicidal thoughts, I'm not having suicidal feelings, and I can guarantee my safety. Send me home, right. right? Like, whatever, you know. But it's a um, but the doctor was like in the emergency room because of the school I went to, he was like, You're not a pre med major, are you? And I was like. <laughs> I'm offended and shit. Like, what you mean? Like, no, i am be bad. He was like, you must be like, like, what's your major? He was like, really about like, what's your major? You are not
0: science. Right.
1: I was like, international relations in Spanish. He was like, shit. Yeah, bad for taking chemistry, have you? And like, no, No. He was like, because you did a really bad job. <laughs> I'm trying to, try to kill yourself, like, really, like, if you had ever taken a single real chemistry class, you would know that all you were going to do is give yourself a bad stomachache, like, I don't really know what you were trying to do, but, okay. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, he was like, at the second time, if you end up in here again, I'm keeping you for 30 days. I was like, oh. ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> And, and, I got re- and I used to be, I'm always, real. Like I'm not that crazy, like, right. whoa, oh, I, I know that I don't want to be, like, hospital, yeah, I don't want to be, like, medicated, deeply medicated, excuse me, right. like, you don't have to take me away from what is on this, um, dimension or plane. Yeah. And so, I was kind of worked, through college, I worked, well, that was just, that was, that was those answers, I was going to be like, I worked on it, but that was like, <laughs>
0: Okay, next. When did you first begin experiencing your mood episodes?
1: (laughs) I would say... It's probably more like some of my high school classmates probably experienced them. Gotcha. Um, But, like, me, like... I think that my first, like, real, live manic episodes... Well, when I left my mom's
0: house,
1: mm-hmm. and when I first moved out, because I moved out kind of, like, in an awesome argument, like, you know, <clears throat> I don't know if you know West Indians or, like, children of West Indians, but they don't play that shit. hmm I don't fuck out old you. like, <laughs> but you mean you're 18, like, you going to do what you want, like, are you stupid? You know, so, um... It was just like that age and I thought I felt certain ways about things and wanted to go out or what have you. Just they not really like do anything terrible, but you know. Right. I to be out. And it was one of those weekends, like if you go out stay out. I like, All right. you know, right. So I you know, so I packed up the clothes. My mother called where I was and was like, My house in the storage unit could get the rest of your stuff tomorrow. I was like, Oh, <laughs> I was going to give her a week to off. she was like, nah, sure, I can get the rest of your shit. I was like, oh, okay. Right. And I think between that and then some other things that happened um, <clears throat> with just people closing my life, um, kind of really felt out there. And then also some stuff that happened, I think that was triggering mm-hmm. in terms of my <laughs> self-concept. Yeah, And... I, you know, someone speaks something, the wrong thing or something into you without really getting into what that was, but, like, and then you'd be saying, like, fuck it then, I'm going to live that.
0: Right, and right. I'll
1: be that, I'll be that then. Right, you know what I'm saying? right. I'm doing all this, and you don't see the good in me, then and I'm going to go right? ahead and be whatever it is you're saying. Yeah. whatever it is you're saying. So, kind of going that route, and I think intentionally deciding to do that was probably, like, actually just being triggered. Right. And it led to all kind of stuff. I was, how old was I? Um, Eighteen and a half. Mm-hmm. And I would say that, um, I mean, I think the first episode was, uh, it lasted a few months. Like, so it was a minute. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I was out there. Um, and then... I think that it actually like really, I think even when there was a situation where I thought that like I was okay, mm-hmm. like because I think that there's like mania way up here, where I hold it to, and then you have like the in here parts that could be there, right? Um, but just like sometimes the abnormal is normal, and like yeah. Your standards are like more like skewed in terms of what's okay right. in your life, um, and I think if you don't have that grounding around you, that can happen. And so it lasted a few months, and then I think being around family again um, kind of brought it down and even things out for a while. And then going, cause I don't structure at school, so right. starting college kind of created that structure again. And but you know there was there was episodes, and I, I wouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't know that's what they were. Right, right, of course. Somebody would piss me off or, you know, but it wasn't, like, straight-up depression. I think the first real, real, real... So, I think I had mania, actually, before I had depression. I just didn't know it. Yeah. But the first real depression episode was my... That sophomore year of college, but before that attempt. Mm -hmm. So, the whole... First semester you know it's the fall semester like up until Christmas break yeah uh, I couldn't go to class
0: wow
1: like I um I could do the work
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I could not like and I didn't see it as I could not go to class right but I was like I was not going to anybody's class right and um but because I had been seeing my therapist since the year before, um, he... I thought it was, like, medical stuff going on, and he kind of created the correlation. That's actually one of the first times that I experienced um, the, like, out-of-sickness that might happen between mental health and what they might call, like, the rest of the medical profession. Mm-hmm. When it's like on one but just, like, if you don't put your teams in sync... Uh, which actually even happened with my team recently. Like if they don't if they're not in sync or they don't want to be in sync, it can lead to messed up care.
0: Right.
1: messed um, up quality of care for the patient because they're looking for a medical cause of something that is really a mental health issue that is presenting as physical problems. Right. Um, so that whole semester, I had, like, a semi, I wasn't on medical leave, but I had, like, uh, accommodations, I guess. mm mm-hmm. how I finagled it, but it, it worked out. Like, right. spirit worked out. And, like, um, the school was really accommodating and was like, okay, so they kind of altered, like, the, not the rubric, but, like, we can't give you participation, so you can't ace this class. Like, but you will make sure you can get your Bs, B pluses. Whatever, if you do all of the assignments by this date you'll get be complete and things like that, right. but it wouldn't work when you go to class. But for, some, I guess I was not. I don't know if it's because my the method my therapist was using, but we couldn't get to it. We, I guess we just. He, he wouldn't come to me with like a diagnosis type space until i had an actual like suicide attempt and then he was like so you ready to start therapy and not just like coming in every week and telling me uh, something happened and then gonna leave and walking out and i was like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i had these different episodes that were outside of like school yeah semester time that structure thing that was so very different how they presented but I think because I wasn't like seeing a therapist during one when the other thing happened he didn't have like all the years all of the history per se to be like well this should be the diagnosis he was just working with it in like that one semester and not what was really like a two-year cycle gotcha yeah
0: so how has this journey impacted your relationships, both platonic and romantic?
1: <laughs> okay, so platonic. Um, I think that it leads to a lot of relationships that are platonic relationships that, are, that have been seasonal. Mm-hmm. Um, reasonable, reasonable, and seasonal. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> That can be a lot of offline conversation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that, now let's, there's also, like, I don't want to be like hyperclinical about things too because I also think that or believe that people who supposedly present with mental illness many times are the gifted and the bring us the messages and Absolutely. the hear, Absolutely. All these things that we know to be true and that I'm speaking as if, like, I guess the audience of those listening already know. I don't want to make that presumption. Right. That, like, I think that, like, I don't suffer with mental illness. Um, Some people suffer with it, but I don't suffer with it. Yeah. I live with it. Yeah. And I particularly want to introduce myself when I'm speaking at most and many, or like, 80% of my audiences, I say, I live successfully with mental illness. Right. Um,
0: Which is the reason why I was actually telling someone in another one of the interviews, I don't call it an illness, I call it a journey, you know? So, I, I definitely understand what you're talking about. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I think that there's this stigma that happens when we... Call, I mean, not to say it's not in notice. I don't want to say it's not. But the it's, not, it's just like, you know, like, for me, it's never going to change, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, the relationships that have been long-term, to like get back to answering that, like, in terms of platonic are the ones where, number one, there's been a lot of transparency, around, like, listen, this is what I'm coming with, you know what I'm saying, like, there are times when it's like this, when it's like that, and has an understanding, and, like, um, give and take. Right. So there are times when, um, I, you know, I try to be as giving what I'm able to be giving mm-hmm. as I am partly because I know how much I have been loved up on, Yeah, even when I have expected it, you know what I'm saying, like with different things that have happened over especially like the time I was in Baltimore at different times in my life, especially in community. Yeah. I think that um for me part of the reason now it's interesting because on the one hand I'll be like, oh, like there's so much acceptance and I think because I'm very transparent, I've been able to be who I am and and for the most part there'd be a lot of acceptance I mean, either you love me you hate me because what I'm not going to do is work or I'm going to change my hand for the better always so it's not to say that if a situation comes up where I need to adjust or change I'm not going to do that it's not that
0: right and
1: what I'm not going to do is believe that every single thing that happens in a dynamic to me and another person is because I have a mental illness. right I've had folks try to do that Not I'll be like listen hoe like me ain't going me not finna do all that like yeah. you know what I'm yeah. saying I Overstand, understand, whatever so-called woke, conscious, awake. right <laughs> like, you, know, you know what I'm saying? All the folks want to do about, like, around certain things, you know what I'm saying? But, like, I'm not always saying I'm doing, I always do my work. Yeah. Because if I yeah. always was doing my work, I would already be a yoga instructor and a bunch of other things. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that the relationships where folks have coming on or i've coming on yeah you know what i'm saying um sometimes that's a factor right there's a factor. i've acted an ass like you know what i'm saying and they think oh she's just drunk and it's like well i'm drunk because i'm manic so there's like other stuff going on which you know weeks later i may analyze and i'm all like better right (laughs) (laughs) okay that's what that was you know, so there have been those moments. Um, many times, when those if, in those situations, if it needed, if it needs to, if it needed healing, it was healed. Right. And sometimes it was really like actually, you need to show your ugly because you weren't seeing your ugly. Right. And sometimes I was just being ugly, like whatever. Like yeah. we're not all these pretty people. We're pretty spirits on this plane. Um, and then in my my um, like relationship relationships and. Of those sort, I would say, um, it definitely has presented challenges, um, in those relationships that were more long-term. For the most part, I could think of one situation in particular where, um, I think just because of the dynamic, it wasn't, um, as much of a challenge, but I think in that relationship or situation, it wasn't, um... There was an emotional barrier that was always there. There was, like, there was all kinds of awesomeness. And there was a certain level of, like, vulnerability that wasn't allowed. So it's, n- it's never going to come out in all of its forms, so to speak. You know? And, um... I mean, I, I've had a relationship that all the way ended because of it, and, well, that's not true either, but I think that the things that came out in conflict um, through that situation coupled with... Right. And some other stuff that was going on just coupled with. I think that some of the stuff that was going on in that particular relationship, like, due to the fact that I was someone living with mental illness, like if you have bipolar two disorder, one of the symptoms is um like harping on something and lingering on something and not being able to let like a particular conflict or situation go. through a little thing, but like 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 you know, just not letting it go where other people think you're just being a bitch and you don't realize that like you might need to, like, you know, smoke a drink, while it do it down do it upside out You know, do an upside-down, against the wall, a handstand. Yeah. Or a handstand. Um, I did a lot of that, like in social justice work, to help maintain the platonic relationships. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I am working extremely actively um, at, I don't want to call it being, I guess being okay, or at homeostasis, when I'm working actively at maintaining homeostasis and at the type of activism there's different definitions of activism and one of them is just the state of being active Um, and so there's a type of activism called subtle activism and I believe a part of it is just like living your life as if it is worship, like the small things that you're doing and the everyday, like having this interview is like a form of like fellowship and worship and just being that attentive about things. When I'm being that person, then well, it's a lot more okay. Yeah. In those situations, also, I realized that I end up showing up a lot more as a quote unquote healer space. Um, and if I am not working at balance, it will tip.
0: Gotcha. Uh, you know what
1: I mean? so i think that um i did get a meme the other day though i actually show it to you he sent me a meme that was like oh when you love her but she's weird okay so, so wait a minute wait a minute wait a because
0: you're in the middle of the interview and you're about to show me something <laughs> we're we're recording so <laughs> no. you gotta show it to me after we're done with the recording <laughs> <laughs> like but the misfits can't see it, so it doesn't really matter if you're showing it to me doing the recording <laughs> see, i was just looking at the quote so i
1: can say it properly about like how this affects my relationship so okay mischief, I'm, gonna keep, I'm gonna keep asking you questions though because we can't okay, have, like so okay weird, but you love her so you just sit there and let her be weird so i think it's like if you really accept somebody yeah then you know like she crazy. Like, right. well, yeah, I would call it crazy because I don't believe that's a bad term around. you. But when I'm in activist healing spaces, I don't use that terminology because ableism and all that shit. Fine.
0: Yeah. yeah. You
1: know what I'm saying, but I think that in terms of relation, like if you if you understand who I am and I understand who you are and yep. I'm actively working at it, then it's all right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you also have to be able to handle it, though. Yes.
0: <laughs> I can't phrase a lot. Okay, so the next question. How has it impacted your career, corporate and artistic?
1: <laughs> Can you finish the question, please? <laughs> Can you
0: say I said, How has it impacted your career, both corporate and artistic? So
1: let's start with corporate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So let's just quote things Shamika has said in corporate America. <laughs> This is also a list of things not to to say In in corporate America (laughs) Or it could be A list of signs that your Coworker in corporate America Has bipolar 2 disorder (laughs) (laughs) Like Listen here I don't do politics And I don't And the only dick that I suck Or ass that I kiss Is at home Do you understand that?
0: Wait, wait,
1: you said that said, at work? Yes, <laughs> in very corporate, corporate America. What was their response? Here. I don't do <laughs> I, The person who I said it to? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. <laughs> what was the child's response? Mm-hmm. You mean that couple with some other things that happened? Oh, I was gone within a year. Oh. Well, you. That mean? couple things, that I it.
0: Well, it was a year, so that's better. (laughs) It could have been a matter of weeks, so it's like, okay, at least it was, you know.
1: Okay, so there was a job where on the first day, they did a personality test type thing. And little results on the first day basically said that I had signs about (laughs) who the student Wow. This is like... And that I would I would do well for a while, like be a shining star, and then it would basically burst their flames and we would not do well together me in the organization. Like this is the results like this is what happened in the team thing on day one.
0: Wow. Like would
1: this is it was. was really like she's gonna like the routine for a while, then it's gonna be this, and then if like some not mission, but moral dis, like, discrepancy comes up with you all. Like, oh shit, you're going to meet her, basically. Right. It was a lot of um, things that have said or happened When your boss comes to the door and pulls you out of a classroom mm-hmm. and says, are you barcola? Wow. Well, which, first of all, I could have sued them for. Yeah, absolutely. Let's start with that. absolutely. Let's just start with that. I didn't know better. Part of it was that, but, and then partly was like my response was going to be and when your response is, yes. Right. And you just go back right. in the classroom, and you just look at them like, and then I'm just go back and do what I'm doing now because you're acting like you about to like no, right? So if you don't respond yes <laughs> if they ask you that. You tell them to speak to your attorney, and you just keep it pushing. Actually, yeah. so if they respond yes, that's a sign. Yeah, right. Uh, so yeah, in corporate America or in um, now in teaching, like, there is someone I'm not gonna say her name because even though she's, I mean, she's got like a hundred thousand followers on Instagram, so really, but still, like, right, it's right, like right. Right, say your name that you live with mental illness because she might take all her posts down, But she is a teacher who lives successfully with her mental illness and is out there about it. I was a teacher who lived with mine and was out there about it and was like, "And nigga, this is why I need to be here." Right. <laughs> because actually it's not a good profession for people with bipolar 2 disorder yeah. and right. I found that out from my doctor who was like why are you teaching like don't you know what stressful jobs there is like I'm about to say you can't teach yeah. you know so artistic career wise I don't have an oh, an artistic career um I guess a healing arts career and an activism arts career and a soap natural skincare care arts like you know okay fine right yeah yeah so I think it's, uh, what I call it artistic, like, do I think it's not professional. You know what I'm saying? I think that that's why I have that challenge around it because my business is about be kicking all kinds of corporate ass in the next couple of years. I want be about what spells I'm casting with my words. Um, I think in terms of artwork that I've put out there, that I've created, um. Mental bipolar disorder, I'll call it that, I'll just call it what it is, has fueled a lot of work mm-hmm. and a lot of healing. Um, I think healing through various stages of it, where like, excuse me, when I have used being creative to like work through mania, or depression, but more through mania, I think, um... It really helps, but also the work is just beautiful. Like, we can't front, like, a lot of artists don't have some sort of so called disorder, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Really, the people, like, I have this piece where I talk about, and I didn't realize that unipolar disorder was a real thing when I wrote it. So I was, like, speaking in satire, and I was like, people got unipolar disorder. They stay the same and go to work and go home. And, but there's a real thing, so it kind of doesn't work. But is, yeah. I, I feel like people who, who are okay with just go, ex- just being like cogs in a wheel, like going to work, going home, and that's all they do, and they just exist in that way, like... <laughs> First of all, that's okay. I've had to realize that that's okay. People jobs, like, that's okay and all of that. But there is something about the fact that, like, the heroes, the artists, the so-called revolutionaries, the ones that create create change and bring about change are the artists, are the ones that, like, are on this frequency that sometimes is not at the same frequency as what is happening here. And so when we... Present, um, you can't really present in that way in a corporate setting. Like it does not, it don't work yeah. because we need yeah. like bursts of light and fireworks, and they need Legos, right? And it's valuable in society, and so are you know fireworks and messages and the stars and the sky and the water. You know what I mean? So it's different, and it's all um, relevant. But I feel like It in some ways Has helped Um My artistic Side As long as I don't Want to rein it in But Corporate woo, I think it, I think actually Instead of saying Oh I'm not successful In corporate environments I think corporate environments Trigger it
0: mm.
1: Corporate environments Or Um So called Like institutionalized environments because with the nonprofit world it was like the nonprofit industrial complex triggers it and when oppression shows up in those spaces it triggers it and I say shit like I ain't about to be sucking no dick up in here you know what I'm saying like but, but it's usually actually around oppression showing up in those spaces and I can't let it go and so I'm just like Nah, you know what I'm saying? They're not doing that shit to my people. And it goes a little... Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so my next question is, what are the major differences that you notice in yourself when you are on and off your medication?
1: Uh, I would say that's based on what medication you speak of. Um, so there are different medications and ways to medicate. So, if uh a Western medication made by pharmaceutical companies, right. Then right? I would say that when I take those, well, I may it, it, it puts me in a place where I can't act. Um, where I can do like routine and I may not feel depression or I may not feel moody, I also gain a lot of weight and feel not myself and feel stifled. So there's that. Then there is, I think this is just also about being honest about these conversations because people will do things that they call self-medicating. And I'm like, but if you had to go get your prescription and get it in the first place, that's not self-medicating. Right. <laughs> I went to medical school. And also, you know, you could spell self with a lowercase S or higher, a s. case S. Mm.
0: <laughs> talk. Come on now.
1: Come what on, I'm now. saying? Is, if I'm self-medicating, I actually think that's what we're putting on this earth to do, so... How about, like, you prefer I self-medicate than, like, like, I have this line, this poem where it's like, you know, we let, like, people, because they have white coats and MDs that they know more than me, and it's like, not actually about my body, you don't. But um, So there's medicating with cannabis as well. Um, I do that. And that's about knowing what the difference between because it's and hybrids and what you're taking in. But there's also medicating with yoga. There's medicating with like the practices that I have in my life. And so um, when I was like fully on, what was I on? I think like antidepressants because I wasn't really ever too heavy on mood stabilizers. I was mostly on the antidepressant side. And, um, although, yeah, uh, and that's a different conversation because I think that might be a different conversation if I were to do it now. But, um, but my therapist and my doctor don't agree right now, so I ain't doing none of it. Right. But yeah. if you take, like, um, a medication, like if I'm having an anxiety attack, mm-hmm. it, it helps the attack. And it calms it down. Right. And right. it makes me feel like I wouldn't be taking this shit every day. Like fuck that. Yeah. You know what I'm mean? saying? So um I think growing up in the eighties, <laughs> growing up with there, growing up well, spending my adult life rather in Baltimore. Yeah. Like, I'm real cognizant of the fact that something that's prescribed to me is also something that is addictive, and that I'm like, I refuse to take that except when it's like a very severe basis. You know what I'm saying? Right. And when I take it, it's like, like, literally, I, I told the flat attendant, I was like, see, this is why I don't want to take this shit. <laughs> Cause I this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now I don't like that feeling. Whereas if I smoke, I'm cool. Or, um,. It was just antidepressants, not, like, necessarily into anxiety. Like, well, that's what I was saying. Is like, I was at a space where my doctor and my whole medical team agreed that I just needed, that I was being weaned off and that we were just doing, because the lifestyle that I had, was living. Part of that includes what you eat. So at the time... <laughs> Because I had a big bacon talk that ordered, but at the time I wasn't eating with me. I wasn't doing any white stretches. I wasn't doing. Like, I was exercising five to six days a week, sometimes twice a day. I was practicing heavy, um, like a really like fairly serious practice. Um, just like a lot of different things that I was doing. I was doing a lot of work around vision boarding, like meditating around that, and yeah. I was very much into my own healing practices mm-hmm. and. That was, like, the most successful, I think I was, excuse me, that was, like, probably the most successful I felt around it, whereas, um, everything else, it, you know, I don't like it as much. Right. I don't right. care when I'm doing things that are not, um, natural, holistic. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so, bipolar disorder can run in families, with knowing mm-hmm. this. Does anyone else in your family battle it? You don't have to mention names. And if so, how do you all support or show up for one another?
1: Um, different people have had different situations at different times. Some that were in the, in the episode, episodic like once. Right. And some that were long, long term. And I think that, um, we are a wraparound crew for the most part. Like, um. We may not all deal with things in, in the same ways, but if someone's in crisis, then it's a wraparound situation if they reach out or if someone else knows and reaches out, um, yeah. Okay. My mother also works in psych in mental health for the last, like, like, 30 years, so I think that has a lot to do with it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah having a brother who lives with special needs has a lot to do
0: with it, so, right. yeah. Uh, what does hypomania feel like for you? Do you know when it's happening? And do you fear the decline of mania after?
1: Um, what, so what does it mean for me or do for me?
0: Well, what does it mean for you?
1: Huh. Mean. Like, what does it feel like, you mean?
0: Yeah, so, so, like, when... So, the the question I asked after that is, do you know when it's happening? So, it's kind of like, in the okay. in, in the midst of hypomania, what is the experience? Yeah, it's an episode. Yeah. So, yeah, so, when I walked about the episode, I was
1: like, look, uh... I'm here. Right. I'm going sleep now. <laughs> I knew, like, okay, we're manic! You right. know what I'm saying? Um, so, sometimes... Yeah, usually, I know when it's happening. I have been told, um... Although I think sometimes you have to be careful with, I think still use your own discernment when you take it someone else's judgment around your mental state, right? everything is with a grain of salt and everything is like fish, you know what I'm saying, you um, eat the flesh without the bones, mm-hmm. so be careful with that. Okay, so um, like racing thoughts, feel um, like ADHD, not always ADHD, sometimes hyper-focused on a project. So, I remember one time um, I made something like 30, 40 pieces of artwork in like 24, 48 hours. Like, mm-hmm. and it was my whole apartment. Wow. It was going wow. to like all throughout my whole apartment. And I did it in a couple days. But I was doing it because I was having a show. So, it's like I knew kind of what would happen if, you know, I started this massive amount of work and not sleeping and not getting my rest. I kind of knew what would happen, but I also knew what would come with it.
0: Yeah.
1: So, yeah. I that one, I think, not only did I know it, but I probably felt it coming on and supported it.
0: Right.
1: Um, but that was about the creative process. I think that, um, sometimes it shows up other ways. Like, Just like temper, or um, um, not jumpiness, but um, you know what I mean? Like, yes, not jumpy, afraid, jumpy, basically, right, right, but the other kind of jumpy, right? Um, so quicker to conflict potentially. Um, There used to be when I was younger, when I was when I was first presenting. It used to be a lot of like loss of inhibition mm-hmm. and recklessness, um, probably some over drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and do I know when it, when it is? When I was younger, I don't know. Right. It's yes. just like you know, like oh, that's just, just you know where it is. Um, older, yeah, you more can be like, okay, this is what's happening now. And um, that doesn't always mean that, in the moment, you know, like they, based on how deep your practice is, I guess, um, what you can do about that in the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. And my last question for you is when mm-hmm. it comes to healing, what does healing for you look like On a daily basis
1: Waking up mm. Choosing to get out of bed um, Being active In terms of like existing um, Moving forward mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um it can engage practice. I think that practice based on where you are looks like and presents very differently. There have been times when it has presented as a very focused, um, um intentional practices, like I mean everything from cards to journaling to um meditation to yoga to reiki to all of those things yeah, yeah. but also um i think kind of like when you get to that i think it's like reiki where that first level it's like oh mm-hmm. okay you know i can do this thing and then there's that second level where it's like oh shit <laughs> and i get tools and shit i got tricks and shit you know what i'm saying so now it's like You're doing all these hand symbols and tools and everything, and then at the third level, I think it's like, okay, you can go back to just one symbol and intention, but really, like, I think, especially when you're focusing on it as a teacher of the practice. It's yeah. like, it's really just your intention. I don't really have to do anything in the beginning. I really don't have to do anything in the end. I don't have to do all of these special prayers and um, symbols and things to the room and things to you, or things I got to wear, things I got to put on and rituals I got to go through. I don't have to. All of those things help and support, but they're all, they all all could just be placebos mm-hmm. that, te- that, that ignite my intention. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, if my intention in, like, the breath that I'm taking, the moves that I'm making, the food, like this morning I woke up and I think my breakfast, like the, the way I made my breakfast was healing for me. It was intentional. Um, I chose to have my little mini pot of coffee. I chose to have waffles and beef bacon and salad from yesterday and some strawberries and some plants. It was good as breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> Just the act of doing it like my view is a water and bridge, like, so I chose to sit here at this spot and do that and and be real simple, you know, and see if I can get myself out of the house but follow my spirit. Yeah. And it led me to being here in the perfect spot with the lighting and everything for this interview, but I didn't wake up like I'm in my healing practice. I woke up like I feel good and I want to feel good and I want to do the things that support me feeling good. Right. Right, so yeah Mm. thank you so much for taking I also think it's getting over I think it's also about getting over shit okay and I don't mean I don't mean that if a person because I don't know what someone else's journey is so I can't tell some I think that's for me right I can't speak to someone else's journey. I, I have a family member who refuses to forgive somebody else who is like, listen, to the day I die, if it means I'm going to hell, and I believe in hell, like, I don't care, I'm happy to hate them. That's healing to them, though. Mm-hmm. They, that makes them feel whole, which is what it means to be healed, supposedly, right? It's to be healed. They feel whole with that. Why? Who, who am I to... Them, my energy trying to take away from them. I can show them through my existence what I have going on for me. Right. What it means that for me, it means I can't hold on to that stuff. It means I, I don't have to engage in those that do that mean me harm. That's stupid. Right. It doesn't make sense because that's not for your highest good. But for me, healing is also about forgiveness and getting over it, like this tattoo that I got. And I know that's true because I was in a car accident and having a major anxiety attack after the accident. And looking at the tattoo gave me the, like, straight in that moment breath of, like, whew, I can calm down now. Like, this is just a moment in time.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story, for sharing your journey with the misfits. I know that somebody who's listening to this was healed from this conversation. You can be absolutely sure of that. So thank you.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I was at a
0: place, but I hope it makes sense. It, listen, yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's going to make sense to somebody. <laughs> it's going to be somebody who's going to be like, that's me. That's me in that interview right now, for real. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> thank, thank you, you for
1: having me. I really, really, truly appreciate it. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And thank you for what you're doing with podcasts and with this work you have been I think I've been watching you through social media I saw you in person and it wasn't really social media well like when you were having your events that was more in person mm-hmm. but just through you know through social circles but really you'll grow through these various journeys and these um iterations of Sensei Raven and um so far like coach, <laughs> like you're a instructor. Um, it's just a really good thing to watch. I like it.
0: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. <laughs> all right, Miss Fitz, we'll be right back. I told you all, there's only one Shamika Smalling. <laughs> I love that sister. She's so unapologetically herself. So here's the deal. I'd like to thank you all for listening. The final episode in this week-long series premieres this coming Monday, so I hope you all will come back to listen to that. So please make sure to listen to past episodes featuring Jarell Elgood and Toshiba Martin, as well as our initial episode on the topic with myself and BHW from earlier in the week. Until next time, misfits, know that I love you. Namaste.